So they took maybe 20 bucks and an old watch? Mr. Madsen, did you even take a swing? No. Could have taken her, Dad. Heard you had some excitement last night. I wish they'd have picked my place, you know? Why didn't you take him out? I was just trying to keep the damage to a minimum. Yeah, how's that working out for you? You okay? Because you don't look okay. Getting into it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 39 of Vague Zone. I am Daniel. I'm Thomas. And today we are discussing the 2021 Ilya Neischler movie, Nobody, starring Bob Odenkirk. Uh, and today, joining us for this discussion is our good friend Max Birdwald. Welcome to the show, hey. Max. Cool. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the show. So, uh, thank you for uh, having me here. So yeah, as part of our sort of tradition, since you are a guest, why don't you start us off by telling us what you thought of nobody? I get I get to go first. Yeah. Oh, we gotta do the synopsis. Oh yeah, of course. Sorry. Rewind. Right. Thomas, <laughs> Rewind. please give us uh, the synopsis for this. So the IMDB synopsis for nobody is a bystander who intervenes to help a woman being harassed by a group of men becomes the target of a vengeful drug lord. So yeah, that's that's our synopsis. That's a nice little vague summary of what happens and so yeah what did you think about this movie max i feel like that's an amazing place to start like we can uh drill down on this synopsis for a second because notice the synopsis begins after like the like after an entire prologue section yeah that sets up the themes of the film like that sets up why we're supposed to care about this like yeah. what this is supposed to be about yeah. Right. Which is like a, a home invasion tale of a a normal man. Right. He's like established as someone with no traits. Like he's just sort of a, a very bland. A nobody, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> a nobody, if you if you will. Yeah. I I see I see what we're trying to do here, but I don't think it's an interesting choice. And then the thing that they make particular about him is this this is like a self-actualization story mm -hmm. through violence. Yeah. Because like his the thing the, the the twist is actually this man isn't a nobody. Yeah. Right? He actually can't you're supposed to be real worried because oh sorry, should I be giving like like synopsis as I go? <laughs> what happens? It's, no, it's fine. Go ahead. Yeah, no, okay. We yeah. kind of spoil everything, so it doesn't matter. Because yeah. we have this this initial home invasion, right? Mm -hmm. And he doesn't brutally attack and like kill someone maybe like he doesn't hit them in the back of the head. and then gets and then gets shamed for it by right. everyone yeah. in the community so so he he doesn't do this this is supposed to be a problem like he fails to attack and kill this like home invader who doesn't you know doesn't have bullets in their ground and then when he goes to work the next day yeah people are like shaming him like oh this is a big problem his wife is like oh man like you know you suck like like i'm very I just can't understand like how could you not attack and kill that person who was in our home yeah and then and then like the whole the movies the rest of the script spends all its pages like being like no no don't worry like you were scared because you thought this guy was a pathetic piece of shit like who couldn't like <laughs> like kill someone else but actually he is 
extremely good at violence. Actually, yeah. he could kill loads of people. Like he actually has like special skills that the government gave him to like kill people. Yeah. So I my my that's my TLDR is just like to me, this is like a fable, a deeply regressive fable about how like one man gets sort of self-actualized <laughs> through violence. Like he almost was a useless piece of shit, but he's not because he can like murder hella people. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I, I, Th- yeah, Thomas, go ahead and give me what your thoughts are. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards the way I was like more middle of the ground with this one because I was, yeah, this is like John Wick fanfic. That's sort of what, how Max described it. And I'm like, yeah, like there's this, it's very similar to this like John Wick fantasy of just like, what would happen? What would I do in this situation? And even some characters blatantly say that like, oh man, like, if, like yeah. I wish they would have come into my garage because I'm waiting to, you know, I wanted to get the yeah. exercise. And so it's like playing on this like delusional fantasy that, you know, men have of like, if someone breaks into mm-hmm. my territory, Absolutely. I am going to fucking kill them no matter what. And, and yeah, it is appropriate. This, is, this movie is written by the same person who wrote the John Wick trilogy because it's, it's a lot of those tropes just kind of being grafted onto someone who's a little softer and someone who's a little bit more like, oh, he's like our, our funny guy a little bit. So it's, it's playing with the casting a little bit. But then, yeah, like once things sort of get rolling, it becomes just a straight up John Wick movie with like the neon Russian nightclubs and like yeah. just the endless stream of goons that are getting wiped out by the end of the movie. And I saw some comparisons to Home Alone for like the, the last like act of the movie. And I was like, yeah, like there's just, like sadism sadism with like i'm gonna get like my rebar in my like in my my mason jars to like kill these like goons and yeah it's it's this really weird thing where it's like i like the one-liners and stuff and i like christopher lloyd i like the rizza i like the rizza's like him talking on like on the radio like in his like basement like i'm into that like like the stylized parts of just the world are more interesting than how people are getting killed and i think a lot of these movies tend to focus just on that and it reminded me of a movie by the name of Kingsman it reminds me of Kingsman everyone like loves Kingsman because of this this really like insane fight scene where it's like it's super core yeah like the church thing where it's like um uh that one Leonard Skinner song playing and it's just like it's so over the top and I'm like you guys are just looking for fun choreographed ways to kill people and I prefer you know like one-liners or like like you can do it and have fun with it in a way that's not just like oh, look how good this person is. And so I think nobody sort of gets lost in that territory a little bit where, yeah, it's like we want to see Bob Odenkirk be, be like beast out and like, you know, do knife combat inside of a bus. Like the busing is like fantastic. But yeah, like as it goes on, I feel like it, it just, it hits some traditional, some tropes. So it hits some some check marks that I was like, okay, this feels like it's going through the motions. What did you think? Um, I mean, I really like Bob Odenkirk. I the whole pitch for this movie is just it's Bob Odenkirk as John Wick. Yeah. Like that is why I'm watching this movie. Uh, it is a ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous, and I'm a little disappointed that it wasn't more ridiculous because okay. I feel like, like you said, this is written by Derek Colstead. Colstead, uh, yeah. the same writer as John Wick, and I feel like this movie doesn't do enough to have its own identity independent of John Wick because it feels very much like a John Wick movie. Like, yeah. like what is this bringing to the table? What sort of value is this adding to uh, this wave of action movies? And it's like, this could be the funny one. Yeah. And it's only kind of the funny one. It mostly just becomes an, uh, a regular action movie. 
Yeah. And so it's like, you know, you were talking about, oh, uh, you know, you're into one-liners versus like the highly choreographed action. Like you can have this really fun violence, but what are you saying with it? And like what Max said, like this is ultimately about a man coming to terms with who he is and who he is, is a violent person. Like yeah. it, it's like this self-discovery thing, right? Like yeah. he's been, he, he wants to get away from violence and become a family man, but really he, who, who he really is, is calling to him and who he is, is a man of violence. Um, yeah. But it's like, is that, is that really interesting? What sort of, what is this saying? <laughs> like what is, what sort of message is this saying when you have all the other, all of these men surrounding him who are all posturing about like, man, I wish I wish they would have done that to me. I would have torn them apart and all this stuff. And so, so it feels like it's saying something about masculinity um, mm -hmm. and how masculinity is violence. We also have that scene with him and his wife where he's talking about how they haven't slept together in a while and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. so this is playing into how he defines himself as a man. Yeah, his potency uh, and everything. Which is really thrown into relief by the way that that's all there is. Like his his wife is a non character, both his children are non characters, yeah. but like every like so that really throws it into relief that what this is really purely about is like him establishing that he is in fact like a person and like a valuable member of the family and like like when his wife says yeah like when when he's having that conversation with his wife and it's like oh we have we don't have a sex life the only thing you can conclude based on what the movie gives you before and after that point is like yeah he he's just not. He, he wasn't letting like the the violence sort of come through so he's not like a full person at home yeah he's he's denying who he is like he he tells her something along the lines of i remember who we were do you and which makes me just wonder who yeah. is she then like why don't i i want to know more about her character because yeah there's like a, they have the moment where she's patching him up after he's had a fight and he says, just like old times. And it's like, okay, well, how did these two characters meet? Like, what was their dynamic? Yeah, it's something I just thought of. When he's doing the pull-ups at the bus, he's, he's looking at a picture of his wife mm -hmm. as, like, the realtor. Yeah. So I think there is a possibility that there is something to be said about, like, she's the person that finds the house when, you know, they have to sort of reset, kind of, you know, if they have to move town or something, maybe she's, like, you know, the realtor, she'll find, like, a house with, like, that you can joke about at the end. Like, does this house have a basement? And so... Maybe their relationship is more like she's the person who can like move the hermit crab shell, so to speak. And he's like, you know, the dormant sleeper cell FBI agent who makes a bloody mess in California. So now they have to move to Texas or something like that. So yeah, that's what I just thought of right now. So I was, yeah. Is there any hint of this being like a reoccurring thing, though? Not or? the only thing we get is just the, the patch up scene, which is like, you know, it's a, a trope of like the woman patching up a man after battle. And yeah. Yeah. And I think that is the only little hint. And I was just sort of just theorizing. <laughs> it's just kind of yeah. spitball. And yeah, I like the sense of humor in this movie when it does go there, like the running gag of like there's a henchman dying and he starts to explain like what he actually did. So like explaining, he, cause he says he's an auditor, but then he like will be talking to like the black Russian guy and then he like will cut back and then the guy's just dead. So I like that like gag when he's just like doing that. So I think if there were mo more moments like that, the movie would have been a little more stronger. Just like, yeah, cause this, this character's progression is purely just like, okay, I'm just flipping the switch back on. It's becoming just a fucking psychopath again, so. Yeah, it doesn't seem super substantial. So I think one of you mentioned that this feels like um, it is sort of like wish fulfillment, like power fantasy movie of the person who is a nobody 
rising up to the occasion and kicking ass. But it's like, but it's also, it spends a lot of time telling us that, no, he's actually a somebody. And so I feel like it's not really the wish fulfillment movie, because if you want to make that movie, it's going to look pretty different. Like he's going to be just like a man full of dad rage. Um, he's not going to be someone calling upon his former training. Um, would you think he would be, be not, a like, more... not successful? What was that? So and like it, he would be like not successful at it and sort of get taken out instead of. I mean, you could still have him be successful, but it's just I feel like it's a different character, and yeah, okay, it it, it would end up sending a different mess. It would send a message to all the fathers out there who do have that power fantasy of like, yeah, I could do this, uh, which is a little scary. But that's an that's an interesting observation, but I feel like it still emotionally plays that way. Like you're you're correct that in reality we find out oh all along he has been capable which is kind of what like i was trying to harp on in my initial like comments is that you're you're worried at first like oh this guy is a nobody but then you discover that actually like you were saying he is not but i feel like the fact that you get the information in that way makes it play emotionally a lot like he just suddenly it feels like it just sort of like oh now he has um now people are afraid of him like there's the when people see his tattoo it's like oh now we we are afraid of your power and when he kicks ass on the bus i i see what you're saying but i feel like the emotional experience of watching the film is very much what you're saying of like a dad like oh this guy's just a nobody dad but actually he gets to like i think it's a different fantasy it maybe maybe it's like a more childish fantasy because it's it's Instead of saying, instead of it being a dad who rises to the occasion, it's like a little do they know I'm secretly a badass sort of thing. It's, and... it's the fantasy of being capable, of being yeah. secretly capable, which I feel like it doesn't need to be as literal as like, it's the fantasy of being a secret, like a secret agent. It's just like the fantasy of they all think that I'm weak, but actually, actually, if I really let loose... I'd be able to kill everyone. Like there was a moment in the movie where it kind of felt like, is this a, is this a fantasy for the character? (laughs) Like, is he wishing that this was the man he was sort of thing? Um, Yeah. And I think there also hint at like, at least early on in the film, I felt like they were implying that he was just purely military and like he was just doing something that was like within the quote unquote like the, the normal things when they're talking about like the kids project and yeah. like the kid like the son's like oh i think about talk, like asking dad about uh like this veteran thing but then he like sort of like laterals that to his his other relatives and i thought the movie was like sort of halfway implying that this guy was like he's post-military and it's like it's just like that dormant military thing but we later find out that he's like his power like supersedes like like he's, he's like, gets arrested by the cops at the end and you're like they're like who are you and then like they both get the phone call at the same time yeah. and so yeah i think it's taking it like to this he's next the most level dangerous of, man in the world sort of yeah it's like this it basically it's like okay it's like that fantasy of being secretly capable but also amplified in the lens of john wick of like the entire russian mob will come after me and i will still be able to stop it and i think it's yeah it's just a a very exaggerated type of thing. And I was thinking a lot about like Call of Duty while watching the last like act of this movie because it's just, it yeah, it's just purely just the fetishism of fun, creative ways to kill people. And yeah, I, I think the movie is, yeah, just really, in, it, it really infatuated with like just that masculine journey. 
Yeah. I was really surprised that to see Christopher Lloyd getting some action time. In How this. old is this man? Yeah. He is in his early 80s. I looked it up. Leave him alone. Let him rest. He's been old for like over 30 years. Um, yeah. But he has like one of the, what I thought was the coolest parts of the movie where he grabs the guy's gun in such a way that he prevents it from firing. Yeah, yeah, that was really nice. And then very briefly, we get like a, sh- uh, a very close up shot of like a shotgun blast going through like a man's stomach. And it's just like very briefly. I like the way that the movie is cut in the beginning when you're just doing the mundanity of his morning routine. It's just like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, like super fast jump cuts. And I'm, I'm happy, I, I'm appreciative that they introduced some of those cuts, some of that cutting towards the end. So I was like, yeah, that's like a nice, really snappy way to like, you know, to present these, you know, to present these images instead of, you know, just doing like the traditional wides and sort of just like sweeping shots of people getting like, you know, just taken out by these booby traps and everything. It has moments of style for sure. Yeah. 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 I was thinking about another, I was thinking about a Guy Ritchie film that I'm like absolutely blanking on, but yeah, there was like a, like a famous sex scene in uh, Rock and Rolla where it's like mm-hmm. a sex scene where it's just like the six cuts just all very rapidly. And I was hoping for something more like that where, yeah, it's just like playing around. Like there's like a knife shot that happens when they're inside of this house where it's just like, it's just very brief. And I was looking for more things like that where they shot around the violence sort of like implied it, but then yeah, I think they just went full on. We're just gonna nerd out about, you know, just these guns and these shotguns and do the back-to-back shot like just you yeah. know just go full just Bad stupid boys. action yeah yeah i think overall i'm, I'm kind of medium on it i i don't know i i feel like it's really weird that Derek kolstad wrote this like just thinking as a creator he, he got paid to write the same screenplay yeah, twice yeah it's like why are you doing that <laughs> um yeah and there's yeah there's some moments of that i appreciate like like the brother-in-law like aggressively giving him the gun and then like he puts the gun inside the freezer and then and it then, comes back later yeah. yeah later he's like in the midst of just like an insane firefight he just opens up the freezer and grabs it out and so i was into that and I like yeah i like the painting around yeah I, I really really like the silhouette of him outside of the burning house after he's like just burns the whole house down so it's just like the shot of him out there and he is basically you can't see his face and i was looking for m- more moments like that it was like literally emphasized the the nobody aspect of him it's like this is a faceless entity that's doing it and i, I thought that would have been a, a more stronger direction to go visually if they leaned into those silhouettes and leaned to like the darkness of you know of this character yeah i feel like i i think i would have liked it to lean more into the comedy uh you got bob right. odenkirk like at least give us It'll at least create some separation between this and Jack, John Wick, um, giving it a different tone, different vibe. Um, but yeah. Yeah. What'd you think about the casting? Because there's like, you got like Michael Ironside and the RZA. So yeah, I feel like RZA. it's like a decently <laughs> casted movie. Yeah. I mean, so when he's having those conversations with RZA over the radio or whatever, I, I, I didn't, I missed his name in the opening credits. And so I was okay. like, okay, is this is this the RZA? <laughs> like, like I don't want to look out. it up because it's going to be a spoiler. Um, yeah, I, I, it was interesting seeing him have some action scenes. He has that scene where he shoots three men in the head with one shot, which is which pretty is fun. Straight out of, straight out of Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah. Is, right, yeah. right. Um, I, I doubt he's doing all of his own fighting and stunts. Uh, I know Bob Odenkirk, like, really took pride in doing all of his own fighting. 
but uh yeah apparently yeah. he trained for two years and he was in the gym yeah, three times a super week. in shape i watched there's a video on youtube of him doing his like workout routine and i was like oh this will be fun it's no it's not it's just him <laughs> working out <laughs> <laughs> there's no jokes <laughs> yeah it's interesting i was watching i was like oh i want to watch an interview about this movie just to get a little bit of a vibe and it was just a talking head of bob odenkirk for like 20 minutes and i was like what like what's going on here like i know quarantine affects the film industry but that was i feel like we were able to at least have two people in a room and have a conversation instead of just like bob odenkirk very dryly explaining yeah the entire setup of the movie and just like his training routine and everything yeah <laughs> it just seemed really odd i was like there's something like i feel like there's an X factor mixing here. Maybe it's just the director or something just to really make it that something more fun and light than what the product that we actually get. You, you definitely feel that it's like, you're talking about his training regimen and like Bob Odekirk's preparation. And I definitely feel that this, and to an extent, like after, after we had watched it, I was thinking about it, I immediately went and like watched John Wick because mm -hmm. I could just like sense um, I hadn't seen it before. I could just sense that there was a lot going on here. But both of these films, you can definitely sense that their aspirations are in the almost like martial arts direction mm -hmm. in the sense that they, the narrative economy outside of the violence, outside of the fight scenes is like astounding so to the point of stylization. You know, like yeah. he, if you think about like, he finds the people like very instantly who are responsible for the home invasion, leaves freaks out, gets on bus, immediately the bus is hit by a car full of yeah. Russian mobsters. Completely accident, random. Yeah. Right, so, <laughs> yeah. so the actual fight sequence takes up about, you know, four times as long as all of the narrative beats preceding it. Yeah, so absolutely. That, so that is just to say that, like, it, it is interesting that these movies are so interested in, yeah, like, the, like, physicality and using your body to kill people in as many ways as humanly possible at, at the expense of anything else yeah and i just had a thought because we're talking about revenge we're talking about the revenge trilogy is how we sort mm -hmm. of got into choosing these movies and i was thinking about like uh, what is this dude saying i want to make sure i get this right i was thinking about hush's journey and i was like hush's journey didn't really feel like a revenge journey but the revenge journey happens with the character julian when like his his like younger brother gets like the yeah. worst of it the during the, fight, like, the bus fight like gets his like trachea broken and has like gets a, sh a straw shoved in it very yeah. like very roughly to like be kept alive and so that's where the revenge comes in is like this like our villains like younger brother has been killed and so now that is where this revenge is coming from and yeah i just found that to be interesting that it sort of flips and it's it wasn't so much about yeah it is about like hutch fulfilling the fantasy but it wasn't yeah it's like it wasn't really like an, a, a vengeful thing it was more just like i think a fantasy thing because i think the t the tipping moment is like the the kitty cat bracelet it's like they're like they're all talking about like yeah like the son is pissed because he got punched and that he didn't like didn't swing on the, the girl and then like the daughter's kind of just like they wouldn't steal the kitty cat bracelet with it and, and like that's like the reason that like, he gets sent yeah. off on it and it reminded me a little bit of the dog and john wick but yeah, not exactly. as but not as closely related because it didn't feel like he's avenging the kitty cat race that I, you know no, no, like, it's but not it like, feels like it is a play on that like a little bit i wrote down in my notes like the similarities so we have a hero who crosses paths with a shitty young man who is related to a powerful villain yeah. the hero has a dangerous past that he's been trying to suppress 
in John Wick, there's a dog. In this one, there's a cat bracelet. Yeah. There's a car that's involved. In <laughs> uh, in this one, it's the neighbor's car. In John Wick, he has his own car. That's kind of gets fucked with. Yeah. Uh, also, the whole burning the money beat. Yeah, yeah, there's a burning the money thing. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, and then also John Wick ends with him getting a dog. This ends with him getting a cat. So. Yeah. But but the thing is that John Wick is about, they at least go through the trouble of establishing a particular person who has a particular like problem, mm-hmm. like grieving that gets sort of like interrupted. interrupted yeah. yeah, and like, so they have to go through this stuff and like violence is sort of, I don't know. John Wick seems like an example of a film that actually does has have aspirations to be thematically about a thing. Whereas in nobody it's everything is sort of set up so that it's just about like. Yeah. I thought watching the trailer for nobody, I, I was so convinced that either the little girl was going to die or like the son was going to die. There was going to be a law, like a, a very heavy loss with his family. Not to say that, you know, having your home invasion, having your home invaded is not like a bad thing that would, you know, that, that would be fucking really traumatizing. And it would absolutely shake up your family unit and, you know, make you reevaluate your safety in your home. But like, yeah, with John Wick, it was like, he's grieving the loss of his wife and then they kill his dog and they fuck up his car. So it's like, he's already down bad. It and then feels, they, the, it yeah. has a, a much more of a therefore storytelling thing going yeah. on. Whereas this, it's like he gets robbed. He goes to uh, exact revenge on the people who robbed him. Oh, it turns out that they're struggling. Uh, so committing violence against these people turns out it's kind of complicated. It's not something the audience can totally get on board with. Yeah. <laughs> so what happens on the way home? He gets in an accident with com- people who are completely unrelated with the events that uh, took place prior. And this is where the bulk of our movie comes from. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. That, uh, that exploitation film logic of like exa- exactly like you were just saying, like oh these people aren't worthy of infinite violence. And then he gets on, and then like cue the entrance of five right? young men who are like, we're going to sexually assault this innocent young woman on the bus. It's like and, okay, well, and then the audience is like, worthy. great, cha-ching, we get to right, kill these yeah. men. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that whole like. I, I'm really interested, this will be my future thesis of uh, making the soundtrack to your brutal violence be like operatic music or like a nice fun pop song like, you know, maybe like Leonard Skinner and, and Kingsman or like, like opera music as, you know, we're seeing people get like their faces sliced and like, you know, his entire house is being destroyed and he's using their bodies to like destroy. It's just so like just thoroughly violent but it's being presented as this operatic the dance cl- like yeah like this dance like this cleansing type of thing and it just yeah those moments are always really striking me because i was like I, I don't know if i prefer like just put on some doom music like just, just do something <laughs> like go grimy don't try to make this feel like i'm walking through the well, louvre right now because that's dep- not what's happening like, it depends what are you trying to say with this moment and uh, like uh, yeah sure so like when he is he is uh, indulging in violence and bloodlust like this is him reconnecting with who he really is because he's been suppressing it for the yeah. past 16 years or however long um but but this idea of i guess this takes us again to what i'm obsessed with which is that you're saying like he's learning he's relearning to be who he truly is yeah but to me just the idea that who someone can truly be is just like oh (laughs) how do i discover who i actually am get back in touch with myself who am i truly what i truly am is someone who loves to kill people in tons of different (laughs) ways 
like to me this is just like unworthy of a two-minute film like it's unworthy of contemplation it's unworthy of, of anything because that's not it, it's it's inhuman like that isn't do you think that that is like a form of self like to me saying like i like trees is like a more a much more interesting like a much more and real forced, like and you forced yourself to live in the city <laughs> okay yeah i mean it's a much more complex orientation towards like self and reality than being like it's such an american weird fantasy to be like yeah. you know what this person's true self is kicking ass yeah, it's just yeah. like what like i don't understand like yeah yeah and, and I, I also yeah go ahead daniel I was, I was gonna say in the movie feels kind of at conflict with himself with itself because there's a moment where he talks about how when he was an auditor when he was a killer he let this man off the hook because this man was repentant and he checked in on him years later and the man had a wife and some kids and he was living an honest life and he decided that he wanted that and so he abandoned his own violence to pursue what he saw as an honest life um but now what the rest of the movie is telling us is like, no, that honest life isn't you. <laughs> like, yeah. And if that honest life isn't you, then who's to say it was, it was that, that guy that you let go. Um, yeah. That's such a, a, a very interesting scene. Cause yeah, it's another one where they shoot him in silhouette and it's like this nice, like snowy, like beautiful blue lit scene. And then yeah, it's like a, a warm little family little moment right after that. And then, yeah, just it's like cut was just Bob Bob architectural, just being very just like grimacing and just like just eating him up on the inside. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I liked I appreciated his performance in this. I thought yeah, there's some moments where he does really good, just like facial acting and just like just communicating things just by just being really pissed off and angry. Um, but I, I feel just guilty watching the Russian goons get, get taken out. And I keep saying the word goons, it's Russian, Russian men, Russian humans. It's like, I don't know. It's like, it doesn't feel very fun that like, yeah, it's just like it, this writer seems to be like into Russian culture, but I feel very guilty just watching all these Russian men just like pour into these warehouses just to get just mowed down over and over again and so it's like these climaxes of these movies like in john wick it was just like nauseating and i mean john wick 3 is like nauseating it's like the level that they I get to john wick 3 <laughs> yeah i mean yeah it's like a fucking it's, guitar solo <laughs> yeah it's, it's just it's just that shit insane yeah. someone someone has to be russian yeah either <laughs> the director or the writer someone's russian because or that, they just that fucking kind of... hate russians it's weird this no i mean other, that's what I was saying. Like when I was watching these movies, I was like, I don't get it. Is this like like Cold War hangover? Is this like yeah. two, like 2016 election stuff? Like is this Russia Gate stuff? Like what? Where? What is driving? Why did these people think this was a suitable? Like what is the preoccupation with the Russian mob? But I kind of feel like we've cracked it. Um, I think that maybe just the writer or director um, are Russian, and that therefore they feel better suited to be able to like write for this like mafia subculture. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Have to check. Yeah. Well, what have you been watching this week? Oh, what have I been watching? I had a friend over and I watched Dead Alive. Um, okay. Which I'd seen before. Dead Alive. Are you familiar with Dead Alive? Yeah, John Carpenter. John. No, uh, Peter no. Jackson. Peter, Peter Jackson. Yeah. yeah. Ah. So well, this was back you. before he was the rich Peter Jackson of Lord of the Rings. Uh, he made a splatter comedy dead alive um it was at the time it was considered the goriest movie ever made 
And okay, um, yeah. I saw this movie when I was in the eighth grade. And I remember coming to school the next day and just telling all my friends, like, you have to see this movie. Like, this is one of the movies that, like, made me love movies. Um, okay. And so I watched it with my friend. And, like, watching it as adults, I'm way more conscious of, yeah, this is a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it's... There's a scene in this movie and the climax involving a crowd of zombies and a lawnmower. And it is just absolutely delightful. It's like being at a guar <laughs> show. Um, and yeah, I, I still love this movie. If we, we managed to see it a few years back at the Castro theater in San Francisco, which is like the most beautiful theater in San Francisco and arguably. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it just fucking, the crowd was super into it. It, it, felt great um yeah it, so it still has entertainment value it absolutely does and it's just okay. and the fact that it's peter jackson like you yeah. have you have that in your mind the whole time like how the fuck did this guy get lord of the rings and it, it you start to notice like little things that he does even between his like shitty schlocky movies versus his more polished movies he loves having a, a reaction shot of a character where the camera is just swooping into their face or mm. where a camera is turning to face the uh, character is turning to face the camera as the camera is swooping in <laughs> to see what, what their uh, expression is going to be. Gotcha. His, he, his signatures. Yeah. He has these little signatures and you see them early. He's very playful. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. I fucking love that alive. The, the bloodiest it, he took the idea of zombies, you know, they can get dismembered and they'll keep coming at you. And he was like, this is a prime uh, place to explore slapstick comedy. And <laughs> it works. It's great. Awesome. Um, yeah. you... I, I always confuse it with They Live. Okay. Yeah, that's John Carpenter. Yeah. Yeah. But Dead Alive. Okay, that's yeah. going to be on the list. Uh, what have you been watching? I was actually going to pass it to Max and okay. have him go. Because, you know, he's an illustrious guest. So. Sure. Talk about uh, Sentimental Swords. Sure. Yeah. Or what we've been watching lately. Sentimental yeah. Storm is good too. Uh, yeah, yeah. We we checked out Sentimental Swordsman for like a very specific cinephile reason because I know uh, Thomas is getting into looking at John Woo, some of the John mm -hmm. Woo work and like heroic bloodshed as a tendency in Hong Kong. Um, so my my favorite sort of nom from this period is A Better Tomorrow. I don't know why that one just really works for me. But as I was ripping uh, Better Tomorrow for our viewing enjoyment, I realized that it stars like, it stars Chow Yun-Fat and Leslie Chung, who people will be more familiar with, but it also stars uh, Deal. And like, you can't, it just, it would be, it pains me to imagine actually like watching this movie with like, and like an aging Deal in like suits and shit in, in Hong Kong, like carrying a gun, like, it pains me to imagine someone watching this who does hasn't seen like where Dilong came from because he is a storied, storied as storied a Shaw Brothers sort of action hero uh, as they come. I feel like, and I think unlike a lot of those guys, like he kind of has an acting vibe. Like he does a thing. He's got he's got some got some vibes. Got some characters he can do. So seventy seven, <laughs> I think it is uh, sentimental swordsman, the first one in the franchise. That's a that's a good one. We've got. Uh, 
got many esteemed uh, interesting villains with uh, yeah. interesting names. <laughs> Weapons. <laughs> yeah, chief among them, the illustrious Five Poison Kid, uh, one of the greatest to ever do it. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a good time. Recommend. I think two and two and three are also not bad. Two and three are also not bad. Okay. Yeah, it's a trip. It was a really surreal watch. And Thomas, what yeah, about you? Yeah, go ahead. Um, so I was in the hotel and I was looking for random things to watch. And so I put on the movie War Dogs. Have you seen this? Todd Phillips movie. He I did. I think it was watched. before Joker. No. So basically it's Miles Teller and Jonah Hill. And it's about like mm, yeah. about these guys that sell military contracts to the government. And it's it's just like it's basically like a Scorsese film, but it's like like you know, like a poor man's Scorsese film. I like like joker say again like joker yeah so like yeah joker gets compared to taxi driver and so war dogs is basically like goodfellas it's like this rise and fall of like this like crime organization basically dealing with you know these two guys selling stuff to the uh, military and it's like the most bro like version of that because it's like uh, that's the only way I can describe it. They say bro quite a lot in this okay. movie. So it's just like, we got to get the Afghan deal, bro. And like, we just drove through the triangle of death, bro. And it's just, it just, it's so silly. Jonah Hill gains like 50 pounds for the role, which was not necessary because the person he's portraying was not a heavy set person. And so it's like, he's going, he's, he's going all out. He for insisted that he must be a heavy set person. Yeah. It's, it's a little, a little crazy because it's, yeah, it's not, it doesn't feel like, Wolf of Wall Street, where this character is being a little more actualized and makes a little bit more sense for like the decadence that that world represents and adjacent to like manipulating the stock market and just making billions of dollars. But this guy, he's yeah, he's just going, he's more like a, a low level gangster and he's just a total scumbag. And it's a really good Jonah Hill performance. It's a it's a fun movie. It is definitely like operating in the shadows of more competent movies by much more seasoned directors but i just found it interesting to see todd phillips version of this type of story and yeah it's, it's really glossy i think it looks great i think all of his movies are shot really really well but yeah, yeah just when he gets down to it yeah there's they're just like the most bro like crime movie you'll ever see and so i was just like this is just <laughs> too much for me at some points what's the year again um 2016 2016 yeah this 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 sounds interesting enough yeah it's got some good stuff going on in it i mean i the, the, the entire conflict is very fascinating it's, it's tragic but i feel like there's good stories there to be told so i think this is this is one that i found to be sort of sort of fascinating i would call attention to the fact that by attempting to Wikipedia <laughs> War Dogs, the film just now, we've called up a, a, a horrific Wikipedia page called Dogs in Warfare. Dogs yeah. in Warfare, um, okay. So that's just something that, that should not occur. It's police dogs. The first image is like a, a very smiley dog inside of a fucking tank. Correct. <laughs> it's like, yeah, dogs being sick. Well, okay. how do the dogs feel about it? good question maybe yeah. they're self-actualizing yeah murder. they've denied who they are and now oh, they get to become who you were born yeah. this is called the wild actually that's yeah <laughs> called the wild yeah yeah so i think that's about it right all right yeah do you want to close this out all right so we're working our way through this vengeance trilogy so our next movie is old boy 
I'm really excited about that. It's going to be the next thing on the list. Um, all right, this has been episode 39 of Vague Zone. If you would like to contact us, you can email us, vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, or happy, positive-only criticism, we would totally love to get that from you via email. If you'd like to tweet at us, at Vague Zone, you can tweet at us on Twitter. If you just want to talk shit, tell us what your favorite movie is, tell us that our opinions are all wrong, and that I'm absolutely wrong about War Dogs, and it's actually the best best film to come out in the last 10 years, let us know. We definitely love to engage with you in conversation and talk to you about your favorite movies. It's been episode 39. I'm Thomas. I'm Daniel. Max, this thank you our, for joining us. Yeah, thank you Absolutely. for joining us once again. I'm sure it won't be the last time. Uh, listener, thank yeah. you for having me on. Yeah. yeah, we definitely intend to invite you again for like possibly The Matrix. Yeah, exactly. Yes. When the Matrix comes out, has to happen. Yes. But you're always welcome to join. Sweet. So yeah. It's episode 39, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace.